0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more, on the newest phase of the journey, one that will examine each of the endings to the works of Stephen King, in the mission to determine whether or not Stephen King deserves the reputation that he has for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast will be to examine the climax, falling action, and resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character, themes, and conflict and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I will also weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally, subjectively like the ending, and today I am here again to discuss, except this time, specifically the ending to Lisey's story. So, again, for longtime listeners of the show, you'll know that I'm not the biggest fan of this story, despite the fact that Stephen King has uh, stated that this is his most personal story that he has ever written. Um, I have not watched the Apple TV uh, adaptation of it. And it will be interesting for me to once again dive back into a text that I just never have really liked um, to, to to start to parse out this, uh, this particular um, aspect of the show and see, hey, does it hold up? In terms of the ending, is it uh, it a worthwhile ending, even though I might not happen to like the story? It's going to be interesting, so let's find out. But first, I would like to read some listener emails. So up first, we have Sarah, who writes, Hi there. Well, hello, Sarah. I discovered your podcast just yesterday and have listened to several episodes since then. I'm skipping around episodes, avoiding ones that would be spoilers. I've read a good number of King books, but still many on my to-do list. I very much enjoyed the episodes I've heard so far. Thank you. Yesterday I listened to your take on Dr. Sleep. I really loved that book. One of my favorites, I think. Someone may have told you about this already, but since you didn't mention it, I wanted to point out Stephen King's nod to Thomas Harris's Silence of the Lambs. During the scene when Dan Torrance helps Dr. John Dalton find his watch, he mentions a patient of John's by the name of Frederica Bimmel. Spelling is off by one letter, a K instead of a C, but that was the name of buffalo bill's first victim i think i yelled out loud when i read and realized where i knew it from so sarah i'm going to interject that is such a great observation and i never in a million years would have gotten that i haven't read the um thomas harris hannibal books since 1996 i'd say um Or whenever Hannibal came out, whenever the book, whenever the sequel to Silence of the Lambs came out, whenever that was, that's when I read Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon and and Hannibal. Um, So whenever that was. And so I am not fully uh, um, knowledgeable about the Thomas Harris uh, universe, not in the way that Brian Fuller is. I'll say that. Um, For anyone that understands what I'm talking about, um, within the last 10 years or so... Uh, Brian Fuller was responsible for creating what I believe to be the best version of uh, Hannibal Lecter on screen. Yes, yes, and I'm saying that this version is better than the Anthony Hopkins version, Um, and that's Mads Mikkelsen's uh, version of Hannibal Lecter on, I think it was on NBC, wasn't it? Uh, and it was Hannibal and it was an incredible show and I still hold out hope that he's able to do his version of Silence of the Lambs but if you haven't seen Hannibal please uh do yourself a favor you will definitely see some Stephen King uh homages here and there as I know that Brian Fuller is a fan of Stephen King um specifically I remember one episode where I was like yo this is totally Bernie Wrightson's Cycle of the Werewolf inspired um So, please, do yourself a favor, watch Hannibal if you have not already. Anyway, back to Sarah's uh, email. Today, I listened to the revival, and at the end, you asked who we would would pick to play Charles Jacobs. While reading it, I pictured Fred Willard as the Carnival Charles and onward. He's since passed away, sadly, um, but that's how I imagined him. Anyway, keep up the great work. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for writing in. Then Arun writes, hello, fellow constant reader. I know I'm very late to the conversation, but I discovered your podcast about a week ago. I'm already on episode 24, but I feel guilty for not finishing up more. What I'm trying to say is bravo and kudos. You are doing an amazing job so far. One thing I really like is the atmosphere (laughs) your dogs create with their snoring. I came to know about the furry ones passing away and my deepest condolences for it. So Arun, thank you for writing that. And ladies and gentlemen, big announcement. As I record this episode on this beautiful sunny day in late May of Memorial Day weekend, I am looking out the window at my recently freshly cut lawn, not by the lawnmower man. Um, And as I record into this microphone uh, with the reverberations of Arun's uh, email uh, banging around my skull and the echoes of the pain of a dog's loss in my heart. I say all this and I read this out loud with the comfort that comes with having a dog pressed up against me as I write it. Yes, um, we have been joined. Our family has uh, expanded and this podcast uh, has grown uh, with a new furry co-host. Yes, we have a Um, An 11-week-old dog with us uh, who is wild and full of energy, Um, much different from our 13-year-old pug who uh, had just passed away. Um, But it's everything that my family needed, so I am sure that the more I record, the more you will hear her running around in the background. Um, You probably will not hear uh, the, the same level of white Uh, noise background droning of snoring and heavy breathing that comes with a pug but i'm sure that you will hear uh the scampering and clitter clack of um nails on the ground as she uh tears through the house in future episodes so uh welcome (laughs) uh to the stephen king cast uh our newest furry co-host okay so arun continues um I have one point to add which came to mind while listening to your thoughts about Christine I do understand that the part about the drug case is unnecessary but I feel that King wanted to give us a glimpse into Arnie's mind on how far Christine has taken him into the rabbit hole and the killing of Buddy's gang one by one while the story is flowing along in the background felt more cinematic to me than better storytelling maybe that's what was in King's mind so I want to give my two cents on it I also adore your bonus episodes on Joe Hill's books, which I find, which I too find are extraordinary. Looking forward to finishing all of your episodes, though it would suck to wait for each episode once I finish them all with huge thanks and regards, Arun. Arun, thank you so much for writing in, and don't worry, there are a lot of episodes for you to make your way through. So if you come to the conclusion um, and the clearing at the end of the path of the podcast, uh, you will have. Consumed many many hours, so take your time and uh, you'll you'll work your way through. Um, but thank you for writing in. Uh, okay, everyone, that's all that I have for listener emails right now. So if you have any thoughts on anything having to do with Stephen King, um, in this case, if you have anything any thoughts on Lisi's story, um, please write in. If you, as I record this um, over the last couple weeks, Firestarter, The Bloom House. Uh, adaptation starring Zac Efron just came out. I have not seen it. But if you have thoughts on it, feel free to write into to StephenKingCast at yahoo.com to let me know what you were thinking. And with that... I'm going to read the Wikipedia summary of Lisey's story so that we have a basis upon which I can discuss the ending of Lisi's story. So, Lisey's story is the story of Lisi Landon, a widow of a famous and wildly successful novelist, Scott Landon. The book tells two stories, Lisey's story in the present and the story of her dead husband's life as remembered by Lisey during the course of the novel. It's been two years since the death of the famous author Scott Landon and the widow Lisi in the process of cleaning out her husband's writing area. Over the past two years, many academics have come to her, hoping, finding to find some piece of writing she might have missed, like an unpublished manuscript. Lisi has sent each away in their turn, explaining that she's still working through the cleanup, although her lack of progress speaks more of procrastination. Her mentally fragile sister Amanda spends a day with her, searching through stacks of books and magazines to earmark any pictures where Lisi appeared or is mentioned. Lisi begins to relive her past, starting with the time she saved Scott from being fatally shot by an insane fan. She often stops herself mid reminisce to avoid uncovering terrifying memories. After Amanda discovers that her ex husband has remarried and is moving to town, she slices open her hands and slips into catatonia. Before admitting Amanda to an institution, Lisi hears her sister speaking in Scott's voice, telling her he has created a bull hunt. With a prize at the end, one day she receives a disturbing phone call from a man calling himself Zach McCool, claiming that if Lisi doesn't hand over Scott's documents to a professor she recently chased away, he, Zach, would be forced to hurt her. His next step is to leave her a threatening letter and a dead cat in her mailbox. At this point, uh, Lisey alerts the authorities, although the most they can offer her is a patrol car stationed by her home unless an emergency rises elsewhere. This does not deter Zach in the least, and he eventually sneaks onto her property and mutilates her with a can opener. Awful. Throughout the book, Lisey begins to face certain realities about her husband uh, that she had repressed um, and forgotten. She also recalls Scott's past, how he came from a family with a history of horrible mental illnesses that manifested as either uncontrollable homicidal mania or deep catatonia how he had a special gift and ability to transport himself to another world, which he called Booyah Moon, with its own unique dangers, how Scott's uh, brother Paul was killed by their father when, at 13, Paul succumbed to family disease and attempted to kill Scott, and how Scott really died. Using her own repressed ability to cross over to boo moon Lisey is able to pull Amanda out of her catatonia, bring Zack to the other world, and lure him to his grisly death at the claws of a vicious world-crossing beast that stalks the forest of boo moon The prize at the end of the hunt is a diary of Scott's last days with his family, ending with Scott Landon's confession that he was forced to kill his own father to save him from the madness that had finally taken him over. Over the next week, Lisi is able to pack and give, give up Scott's things, uh, as she now believes he has moved on. Uh, now Lisi has a hard time keeping herself grounded in this world, often finding that she slips back to Booyah Moon in her sleep and sometimes while awake. The book ends with her saying goodbye to Scott in the now-empty study. So here I am again talking about the ending of Lisi's story. Um, and guys, this is probably going to be the wackest uh podcast that i'm just opening myself up to criticism and i deserve any criticism that comes with it so i maybe i'm just going to chalk it up to my inability to fully understand it or care about it i just don't like lisey's story i don't like it so i have difficulty being able to examine it from a from an analytical standpoint pick that up but our furry co-host is in her own booyah moon having some puppy dreams so cute Um, so I don't know I just really struggle with this and I've always prided myself on being able to take off my subjective reader hat and put on my analytical uh, critic hat Uh, and I just I really struggle with Lisey's story so when I ask this question does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that's consistent with the characters actions themes or conflicts of the book you know I'm able to say yes Um, you know she's able to enter the world of Scott that world of imagination and wonder and madness you know this is a novel that you know, when we talk about Stephen Kingisms, the tips and tricks and themes of Stephen King's works, you know, it has a, a writer, and in this case, the, the literal ghost of a writer at the center, um, the void of where a writer used to be. And so Lisi is able to explore that space and uh, engage in answering the mystery of the, the, the writer's experience of living which is equal parts imagination and madness. There is love, there is passion, and then there's insanity as well, all wrapped up into this externalized location called Booyah Moon. Which it's a it's it's a good examination to take oneself out of the role of writer and place oneself into the role of spouse of a writer and the. Being a writer is lonely, in some ways it is selfish, Um, it is introspective, it is introverted, it is uh, exclusionary in so many ways. You are spending significant amounts of time in worlds that you create within your own mind and locking yourself away from a larger world of... Relationships and connection with people that are in your physical space. So to have the wife of what would have been in another Stephen King story, the protagonist of another book, to have that person be the protagonist of her own novel and grapple with these questions, I understand that. And it works. And so for her to actually journey to the place of imagination and madness and love that her husband um, had occupied for so much time in his own life that she never fully understood and only understood after his death. Um, yes. So from a, from a perspective of Scott and a perspective of Lisi, yes, I do believe that it is consistent with the character's actions and conflicts. And in terms of the plot, she had been exploring this, so yes, for her to actually go to this place, yes. Um, I do find that the mechanisms that require her to jump through in order for her to get to this space I believe that they are clunky and overwritten um, and inorganic. And it just—I don't like the phrase doesn't work for me. I don't like that phrase. I feel that it's lazy, um, and yet I find myself saying this phrase with this novel over and over again because I want to put the— my failure to connect with it and fully understand it as intended on me and I have difficulty saying that Stephen King is at fault here because he's writing about something I've always been able to pick up on on his his kingisms and his 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 writing about writers and his themes. Um, and, and, and his statements about whether it be marriage or fatherhood or community, I, I'm, I've always been able to unpack these things, but here I have such difficulty, and for him to say that it's his most personal, clearly my inability to connect with the novel, um, that is not a fault of King, it has to come from me. So I, I, I don't like the term, it doesn't work for me, but for me right here, the, the, the struggles that I have I have to lay uh, at, at myself um, I have to so I, I find Lisey getting to the end and, and the, um, the the conflicts um, with Zach McCool I, I find it very forced and I, 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 I fail to see the the greater significance if there is a greater significance. Um, I've had listeners in the past write in with such beautiful eloquence about the, the themes of this novel and the the, the discussion about mental illness and um, others have written in about the the beauty of of um, marital love and uh, partnership and sacrifice and I've just I've never been able to pick up on that wavelength the way that that you have does it serve the same uh theme symbolism and motifs i'm not sure like again she goes to booyah moon yes she's able to um walk away from the literal ghost and the symbolic ghost of scott that has haunted her Um, not in a bag of bones way, but in a mourning way, and she's able to find catharsis. So yes, I I will say that yes, it serves the theme symbolism and motifs. The most famous scene in the novel? I don't know. Is there one? Is it the shooting? Is it the uh, standing by the lake in Buoyamun? I don't know. Are there other factors that we need to consider? Yes, as I said, this is something that Stephen King is identified as his most personal. Um, so there's something there. There's something that, uh, that really beats the heart of Stephen King's works here with uh, Lisi's story. Do I like the ending? No. Is it a good ending? I don't know. I don't like the ending. I really don't because I'm not a fan of the book. But if I said that it, it, it does fit the themes... It's a, an appropriate conclusion to the characters. And yeah, I would have to say that it is a good conclusion for what the story is. So I don't like the ending, but it is a good ending. Well, there you go. I worked myself through it. All right, everyone. Um, I apologize. I always feel bad. I feel like you get the, the, the short shrift um, whenever I talk about Lisey's story because I just don't like Lisey's story. Sorry, guys. Um... So if you have thoughts on the ending of Lisey's story, please write into to stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And if you haven't done so already, a review on iTunes would help me out greatly, uh, separate me and distinguish me from other Stephen King podcasts out there, other great Stephen King podcasts out there, I should say. Um, so... If you have made your way through the entirety of um, this podcast, please, all you got to do is just type in Stephen King to um, iTunes or your um, podcast of choice, and you will have a plethora um, of podcasts to choose from because we live in a golden age of not just Stephen King, but Stephen King podcasting and fandom as well. We have a really good community out there, a larger quartet um, where we all support each other. So, um you know, support this podcast and listen to all the others as well. Okay, everyone. Um, thank you for tuning in today for this relatively brief uh, podcast in which I worked my way through the conclusion of Lisey's story. And um, join me next time where I will talk about, chronologically speaking, the next novel is Blaze. I still haven't read Blaze. So I will be talking about Duma Key. So, um, may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I'll see you here next time where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcat.